head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Folks, basketball is very good. And it is a beautiful day to talk about basketball. And it's always a beautiful day to talk about basketball when I'm joined, usually over the power of the internet, but today I'm joined in the flesh, in the same room, sitting six feet away from me is a man well over six feet, the studly Jonathan Charks. Uh, Charks, how you doing, buddy? It's good to see you in person. You're a, you're a six footer yourself, you know? It's, um, I can say, Kyle, you are way more handsome in real life than I was expecting. I don't believe that yeah. at all. But I, I, mean, I had to double back for a second when I saw you. I said, wow, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a charming fibber, isn't he, folks? Jonathan Charks. Uh, yeah, we met for the first time in person on this, uh, on this trip. And uh, it, 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 it's always a little bit, I, I think I've only met two people. I met you and I met KOC. COVID has kind of disrupted a lot of that, but... Uh, it was fun. Um, we, uh, we're here in Las Vegas. The reason we're here, uh, we are here with get the gambling degenerates and the, and the basketball degenerates. All the, all the people are here in Vegas at the same time. <laughs> I think we'd probably be in the latter part of that. Uh, the people who are really uh, described, like, I don't think that a lot of people maybe know exactly what the G League showcase is, I would say. Would you, would you agree with that? Where does it yeah. fall on the radar or in the rankings of basketball nerddom or like you've been here before so just kind of pitch it to people what is this event what's it for well this is the peak of basketball nerddom for sure so it's it's a little different it's like summer league but it's way more chill because there aren't any like fans it's really bizarre so every team in the g league comes to vegas and they play for like three days in an empty convention center where all like scouts fan scouts media can watch them and I always tell people, it's like if basketball was an art exhibit, because everyone's like, oh, yes, it's a very nice play. There's no noise. Like someone has a monster dunk or a block and the place is dead silent. Well, there was one yesterday. Me Great and you example. were getting all excited. And nobody else is doing okay, anything. Okay, so like there was this incredible <laughs> play where Scoot Henderson, who's like 16 years old, was in this play. We'll talk about him in a minute. But 
this is a perfect example of this. Uh, there was a fast break for, or I don't even know if it was transition. It looked like he buried, he took like one step on this play. A guy tried to dunk on him. It, it looked like he well. had to step on him. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. just like, oh, Scoot's getting ready to get posterized. And he made like one step and just jumped to the moon and blocked this guy. <laughs> I literally like went, whoo! Like I made like a siren noise and, but we were the only, we immediately realized we were the only people reacting. It was just like no one in the room, you had to keep your poker face on. For sure. Everyone else like might raise their eyebrow. That's the extent of the scouts. Okay. Yeah. It was just like subatomic golf clap. That's what it was. It was just like no reaction. If you react, it's uncool. How could you? It's just the dunk. Uh, you you swine. Yeah, that, that really is what it was like. <laughs> these are these are aficionados. Like these are the people who like drink the wine, sniff the right. Right. They these spit the wine out. Them. You know what I mean. <laughs> so it, the the showcase is part. It's a chance for what every G League team is here, except for actually there, this year. We'll get into that. There's two teams not here because of COVID, but every other team is here. They play each other, and this allows all the league executives to not have to travel around the country watching G League teams. They can come to Vegas. They see them all at once. They can then usually, this is like the kickoff of trade season because the whole NBA comes here and they talk amongst themselves and rumors get started and people are talking. And sometimes you can see like two GMs talking in the corner and you're like, ooh, trade talk. This year, it's a little different. So you come here normally as to network and gossip. But this year, because of COVID, it's been pretty different because most of the first round picks aren't here. Most of the two-way guys aren't here because everyone's been called up to their NBA teams. And even the guys who aren't on rosters are getting on rosters super, super fast. Like five or six guys are getting signed a day, it seems like, just to fill a void in the NBA right now. Yeah, it seems like if you show any kind of like sign of life as a player, any kind of upside, there's the word, take a drink for those people I was joking with about that. But if, if you show any kind of promise, you're going to get a shot. I mean, this is a pretty unique time. And you were talking about you know, th- this this event for me, I've been to Summer League a couple times, uh, three times actually now, but like um, this event for me feels a lot more, um, you don't really, early on in Summer League, you would see executives kind of mingling and things. I think the, that event has become such an event, like such a fan-driven event where it's like ticketed and you, you're, you have an assigned seat and it's on national television and people legitimately watch and talk about it. This is a lot more like, you feel a little more uncomfortable getting your phone out. Like I definitely had moments like that where I like wanted to take a picture, but I was like, this is like not the scene for that. Like you were talking about like, oh yeah, like, oh, there's, uh, there's Sam Presti and, uh, and the GM for the Mavs now, the new uh, Nico. Yeah. Like people like that talk and you're like, there legitimately might be business getting done here, but I th- it, there's so much, I find this event interesting because I was asking you about this, like that the, level of scouting that goes on at an event like this you know there are definitely there are tiers to it because you know what are you really scouting at this point for for a guy i think this is going to transition into some of the oddness that we've seen at this event Uh, so we every every year you know you have kind of like the guys that are trying to break into the league are typically younger they're on the younger side they're circling back maybe after their like their amateur career where they were scouted initially got feedback they're coming back to like maybe work on that or say i could be this or that type of player an example of that would be like alex caruso who is like really honed in on a skill set and developed it and he happened to have a skill set that was ready to do that and he got a shot 
Um, but then there are the players who are, they're sort of getting retreaded in like the scouting process. So it's like, what are you really looking for? It's like, you're not really going there looking for a star all the time. Agree or disagree with that? Like, what do you think scouting wise teams are really looking for specifically in the basketball sense when they're at this event? I think a lot of it, it's, there's levels to it, right? So there are a few first round picks here. There's Josh Primo, Jalen Johnson, Kai Jones. You watch those guys because, okay, I watched them in college. Now they're in a new setting. They're, they're going to be featured players on their team. What does that look like? Which in the NBA, you won't see. So a Josh Primo, he was running point the whole game yesterday. And I'll actually write about him for an article we're doing for The Ringer about the showcase, what I saw from Primo in the event. And that's really enlightening to watch that because not only does he have a bigger role, he's facing much better competition than he would have in college. Because everyone here, even if they're players, the average NBA fan will never hear of, these are all like college stars. I mean, me and Kyle, we spent half our day just doing remembering some guys. Remember that guy? Oh, it's oh. like the ultimate like college basketball trivia. Do you remember this guy? Like, I, I, I feel like I'm decent at that thing. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm all right at that. And there were a few I was just like, I, who he played for? I don't know. I legitimately couldn't think of who it was. But I think you're right about this. The Spurs specifically are an interesting example, I think, because they have been pretty good about, uh, I don't want to get into like a whole thing about them as an, as an organization. We, you know, ad nauseum, all of basketball has praised San Antonio for what they've done. It's amazing. Their player development's amazing. But they've been good about uh, getting players in situations like on ball reps and like just letting them grow. But I think you also kind of have to have the luxury of doing that. And I think Primo is an example. I think what you're getting to here is that like, and the COVID thing is a factor too, is that like a lot of those guys just aren't here this year because everybody's getting a bump up. Um, another guy that we've kind of talked about that is down here because the team just flat out right now doesn't need him up there is Isaiah Todd as a guy for, for Washington's G League team at the Go-Go. Um, we were having a good time watching him. Uh, what, what, what were your thoughts on Isaiah Todd scouting him initially with the ignite and what it what did you i found him to be one of the more entertaining players over the over for this. sure so i mean isaiah todd we saw him just draining threes like driving and dunking and he's a good example he's the example of a guy who this is what the g league is for so isaiah todd he was on the ignite team last year but he wasn't one of their featured guys they featured jalen green and jonathan kaminga they are both top 10 picks Todd came off the bench in a much smaller role. He ended up going 31 to the Wizards, and he's not going to play for the Wizards this year unless the team really falls apart with COVID. He's a guy, he's 6'10", he's pretty athletic, he can really shoot it, and you can just see the skills, and he just needs to learn how to harness those skills within a team concept. And there's always one or two guys like that in the, in the showcase. This is my third showcase. I remember... The first guy I saw three years ago was Christian Wood. And you're watching Christian Wood. He's like, this guy's seven feet tall. He's dribbling, dunking, and shooting. And you're thinking, it's only a matter of time before this guy's in the NBA. He's just too big. There's just not many guys with this skill set in the next level. And then the year after that, it was Nas Reed. He, Nas Reed absolutely demolished the showcase. And it was the same kind of thing. And I remember thinking, I don't know if Nas Reed will make it on the Wolves which he ended up doing. Now he's a pretty key part of their team. But you figure at some point in the next two or three years, this six foot 11 guy with this skills, he's going to play in the G League year after year. At a certain point, it'll click. And maybe when he's 24, 25, he'll be a very young player. He'll have been seasoned in the G League and he's ready to take the next step forward. 
Todd's probably that guy that that guy this year for me where the more I watch him and there's a lot of times where he'll take a lot of kind of crazy shots where he seems you know, like most young players he has a higher opinion of himself than the role he'll probably have in the NBA and he has to learn how to mod- modulate that and that's what the G League is for is to help this guy just modulate and then what everyone else here for they're kind of like the extras. They're here to give Isaiah Todd a competitive setting to showcase his skills. And every once in a while, one of the extras says, actually, no, I'm the featured player now. I've gotten better. I've really shined as like an energy big man or a distributing point guard or a three and D wing. And this guy who's like created a setting for Isaiah Todd now, he becomes his own thing from the G League and he comes up. And those are always the coolest stories. And those are the ones that's like, these are the guys... They're coming. These are the understudies. Oh, one guy, one executive told me is like, this is really, this exists to keep the lights on on the, on the high level, right? This is like watching the understudies for a Broadway play. Every once in a while, they come together and one of the understudies just jumps up. And that's what this is. Yeah. And it's, it seems like that's, uh, we, we definitely see examples of that. I, one of the things that I wanted to hit on was, um, we were talking about the levels of players that are here. One of the most entertaining things for me whenever I come to the summer league, and this is actually very similar, is the uh, camp. There's there's always like the 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 stars that are being sort of groomed and protected with this with whatever the scheme is. Like you were talking about with Primo, with Isaiah Todd. Then there's the guys who are like clearly too old to be there. It's like they we're not seeing any of those guys. Like they 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 they've all been called up. They're not going to be here. And, teams probably don't want to risk them being here they're probably just trying to keep them as close to the best as possible but then my my favorite ones are how in the world is that guy here and i think maybe it's easy for us to get carried away and talking about the nba we talk about them almost like they're like characters in a show you know like we we almost kind of like treat them as subhuman like where it's just like why is he still trying to make it like oh my god we almost treat it like it's kind of pathetic like inherently, you know, I tweeted out one of the lineups the other night and it's like, I don't even think I got the most insane lineup, but you and I were even joking about coming up to the Grand Rapids game, which is Denver's G League team. They they fielded a lineup of Mario Chalmers, who has two rings, Nick Stauskas, who was like a, a was he a lottery pick? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, he's he shoots like Steph, and he's tall like Clay. I mean, catch up. I mean, yeah, I'm way behind, clearly. And then, uh, uh, and then uh, Shabazz Muhammad, who's a guy that I uh, haven't seen for a while, uh, who was highly rated in his class, but it just kind of never really happened. He's kind of slowly spiraled out of the league. And then uh, the king, the, our king, Lance Stevenson, was out there, and Stefan just dropped us a note. Actually, this is I actually was. I overheard Mark Stein say, talk to, talking to Michael Finley about this, how much he couldn't believe that that uh, Lance hadn't been picked up. But Stefan just told us that uh, the Hawks are interested in calling Lance up. The Hawks. So, uh, but I mean, it was um, how entertained were you watching watching this this group of uh, I was calling them the battered bastards of the G League, uh, which is a documentary people should go watch. But they. It was just a ragtag group of dudes out there. They're playing against, like, the, we watched them play against teenagers. That was amazing. So they played the Ignite team the first night. Yeah. And I was telling Kyle, it was like watching the Ignite team of 2010 versus the Ignite team of 2021. It was truly a battle of the era. It was a multiverse moment. That's yeah. what I was saying. They walked in through the multiverse and they were all older. Yeah. The Doctor Strange ring came. Yeah. yeah. It was great. And I think it was cool to watch. I mean... You're watching like Jaden Hardy, gonna be a lottery pick this year, 
and you're watching him guard Lance Stevenson and Lance is giving him buckets. And it's just like, the, it was a pure Lance show, hitting step backs, barking at the refs, getting to the rim. It was great. And I think we were talking about, oh, all the guys who aren't here. But I think this is a good transition. Talking about the guys who were here, it's the Ignite team. They are the main event for all the NBA folks here. We went, it was funny, the Ignite game yesterday. There were no other, because there's two courts playing and normally each court has a game all day. But for the Ignite game, there was no other, the second court, no one's playing. Because that was the show. It was every seat was filled. That was like scouting. We're looking at like five or six future pros, at least on the Ignite team. It was really fun to watch. And like, there's so much to get into. I think we're going to talk about that now. It's just, there's a lot happening with the Ignite team. Oh, yeah. You can definitely see that, like, the, there's no, uh, there's no, nobody, like, sort of straggling around. That's the event where everybody comes in because this is the scouting opportunity that, like, yields the highest output, the highest outcome. It's the only thing going on here that has that potential. And on the, on the G League Ignite team, you had some interesting thoughts, like, about last year's team, the way it was set up, that I think kind of tied to what we were talking about. Um, developmentally, I think this is a bigger conversation about, like, the way players should be used in the amateur levels. I feel like we're evolving as, as a sort of a basketball culture, not that, like, the fandom really necessarily matters. Maybe sometimes they impact the way the teams run themselves. But um, I think that we're getting a little bit better at looking at the way players are used at lower levels when we think about what they're going to be at higher levels, whereas in the past, I feel like a lot of people would talk about like raw counting stats and they'd be like, oh, well, you know, they, that was sort of the, the measure of your uh, of your merit was what are your raw counting stats and things like that. I feel like we're moving away from that maybe because we've seen so many examples of guys be used differently at the college level, be used differently at uh, in the international setting. Uh, and then we're getting a little bit better. Do you agree or disagree with that? Like in terms of like it's become more sophisticated, I think, in like projecting what guys are going to be going forward. I think so. I think there's a lot of unconscious bias at play. So a good example is last year, Scotty Barnes was a sixth man at Florida State. And all season, everyone knew Barnes was going to be a lottery pick. Everyone was talking about him, but we weren't talking about him like a top five pick, though you were. So give you props for that. And as the, as the draft got closer, there was kind of a league-wide reevaluation. It's like, oh, yeah. Forget his points per game. Forget his minutes per game. Break down his actual skills. Look at his permanent production. And he started rising up the mocks really fast in the last month of the season because of that. And the Ignite team ha has a lot of that going on. I'll just say, just to add to like the color of the scene, I remember we were sitting next to a, there was like four or five scouts on the same team. And then they sent one of them on a food run. So the other ones who could stay and watch. And I was just cracking up because he comes back with a stack of like four boxes of chicken tenders from the, because <laughs> they're like, everyone else want to stay and watch the game. I just want to say Charks went in like a, like a, a vulture that hadn't eaten in six months. He was like, I'm eating dinner later. And then he just like went in there like a ravenous monster to get chicken tenders. I was like, aren't you eating dinner in like 40 minutes? He was like, he actually hit me in the face at one point was like, shut up. Get out of the way. Uh, I need, I have. <laughs> He I said, Daddy's got to have his tenders at one point. I was like, what? And I, I was, I had a concussion. It was terrible. I did give you some of them, to be fair. I, I wanted to save my appetite, but I was, you get kind of hungry sitting in the gym all day. Well, it's COVID. No I didn't get to dip it because it's COVID. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dip after you. It was like, you, you probably are, you look like a double dipper to me. I, and when I, when I first saw you, I was like, this guy's definite, <laughs> definite double dipper. So there's no way I'm going to do that. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important 
to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are examples where, I mean, Kentucky guys, you've brought that up. I talked about that on a pod yesterday with some guys about, um, you know, does, does your role at lower levels, is there, do you have to really read between the lines to sort of like discern like role malleability? It, like, I, I think that that's a valuable skill going forward into basketball. Like, are you willing to really be productive in a smaller role? And is that something valuable that teams should look for or do look for? I think first, let's set the scene a bit. So with the Ignite team, they've got five, I would say five or six legitimate NBA prospects all on the same team. There's the two ones that everyone's going to be talking about. There's a guy named Jaden Hardy. He'll be in this year's draft. He's a 6'4 combo guard. Yes. And then there's a guy in next year's draft named Scoot Henderson, who is, he, we'll talk about him in a second. He looks like a future superstar. He's awesome. There's also three or four other possible first-round picks. There's a guy named Dyson Daniels from Australia who runs point for them. Marjan Beauchamp, who's more of a 3-and-D guy, very athletic, very long. There's a guy named Michael Foster Jr. He's the big man, pretty skilled. And there's Fenbo Zhang, a Chinese player, who's really kind of popped this showcase. And all that to say, this is a team with six prospects, so it's not set up for one player to dominate the ball. And that, I think, is the big change from last year's team. And I think that's very instructive. So last year's team had four prospects, and only two of them started. And that's two guys you probably heard at this point, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. And they've really changed up from last year. So, And it's interesting. So last year, I feel like last year was more about survival because obviously no one's planning. They didn't have a normal G League season. They had a G League bubble. I believe they only played for a month, six weeks. They crammed like they crammed like 15 games into six weeks. There was no season. There was no one getting better. There was no development. It was like, we've just got to get these guys enough reps so they can be drafted because we don't want players to hurt their draft stock coming to the Ignite. It was kind of like a, it wasn't even, it was just, we're going to get this thing off the ground. Crazy stuff happened. Let's get to the season and reassess. And there was a lot of reassessment done from last season to this season. So last season, Brian Shaw was the coach, who I'm sure all of you have heard of from his days with the Lakers and the Nuggets. He's a former head coach. And it, felt, it really felt like last season, Shaw was trying to jam square pegs into round holes. He was running more of a triangle system. 
He had a lot of bets. Jarrett Jack was really the primary ball handler last year. And it was like last year you'd be watching an Ignite game and then it's five minutes left and all of a sudden <laughs> it's the Jarrett Jack show. You'd be and like, like, it's Jack time. Yeah. And you're like, why is Jalen Green spotting up? So Jared Jack can run pick and rolls with Amir Johnson. This doesn't seem like the best of anybody's time. Well, you mentioned the other one, too. A, a really interesting sort of dissonance that happened was, uh, you, know, you know, Kaminga got knocked a lot for his efficiency on the on the G League team. There were a lot of moments where it was just like, what the hell is he doing? I, I'm cheap among them, I admit. I, I've, I've given him a hard time for, for just kind of like not knowing how to play totally yet. But that's a whole conversation we go into. But Brandon Ashley was another one, I think, that we were talking about. Former Arizona player, a power forward who was just in there. I understand the concept of putting, um, you know, getting your young players that you want to sort of like mature schematically, like really learn the rhythms and the flows that are sort of like inherent to the way the NBA style of basketball. I understand that. I understand like having a, a, a steady partner in there that can help you learn. But there are examples where maybe it's not as good. Like I, I think like having a dependable pick and roll partner is good for a guy who needs to learn like you know maybe not put him with another another guy who's trying to learn at once at the same time like a like a guy who's uh, like an 18 year old I understand that but I think they definitely have reconfigured it a little bit um to sort of showcase some of those guys Uh, it was it was fun to watch the G League team I mean you made the point you were like it would be really fun if they would just play some college teams I wish they would just play friendlies with with uh with like with, with some college teams, I think that would be pretty entertaining. You you had another point about we both got to see co- our our favorite colleges play over the over this weekend. I watched Kentucky. I was so jet lagged, I actually didn't make it through that. I was literally falling asleep at a Kentucky thirty point win. Just that that should should let you know how tired I was. Uh, but you watched the Texas game, and you had a point about the college basketball games that I thought was pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, it was funny because you're watching Texas and Kentucky, and they're they're playing at the T-Mobile Arena across the street from Mandalay Bay in um, non-conference games, and you're like, most of these players that will be at the showcase next year, like they're just gonna come <laughs> right across the street. And I was telling Kyle, it's they should, it's almost like a scared straight thing. Bring a college team to the showcase, and so you see all these guys. They were stars in college. They didn't even make the league. That's how hard it is to make the NBA, and. And to get back to the Ignite team, what's Wait, changed? Do you, do you this think year? they should have Mario Chalmers come in UK's locker room and smack, <laughs> smack Kellen Grady and be like, "Get that smile off your face." <laughs> well, it's less him. It's more like a guy like David Noel, who was a UNC big man. For, oh yeah, I remember David right? Noel. Right, it's like a guy like that's in the G League for years, and you and you're like, "Oh yeah, he was so good in college, he didn't make it." That's how hard you got to work to be better than him to actually make it in the league. And what's so with the Ignite team this year? What's changed is. They have a new coach. His name is Jason Hart. He's a very well-respected assistant at USC for a long time. And he, had, he was always a guy who was in the list of, this guy's a future head coach at the college level, with up-and-coming coaches. And he seems to have, they said, we'll hire this guy. So instead of hiring an old NBA coach, we're going to hire a young college coach who actually knows these players, who's recruited most of them, who's watched them in the high school AAU circus for years. And he's really done a much better job of featuring his guys. So now they start three or four prospects instead of starting two. And they're getting those guys a lot more touches than they got last year. We're looking at the numbers. Last year, there was only four guys in double digits scoring-wise. This year, there's six. And most of them are the prospects. They're almost all playing 30 minutes a night, whereas last year was only Green and Kaminga. So you're getting a much better look at them because you're getting to see 
in a given possession, you might see Henderson running point, and he's got two NBA wings on the side of him, and Jaden Hardy spotting up, and Michael Foster is the big man. So that's kind of what I was talking about. It's like, I want to see these guys play Gonzaga or Duke. It'd be amazing to watch. You'd be watching lottery picks on each team going at each other. But instead, they're playing grown men in the G League. And I think this year's team, this is way more of a proof of concept. So last year, no one really got to be developed. They were just getting some running for the draft. This year, these guys are going to play a whole season. And it's going to be fascinating to watch how it progresses over time in terms of who gets the bigger roles, who kind of steps forward, whose team will this become, and how do these guys learn to play off each other? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like what we're seeing here is sort of a war of a war of developmental philosophy that really was like heavily impacted by the college game developing the way that it did. You know, the college game developed really early on. the The American game specifically, I think, is kind of hamstrung in its like developmental past by the fact that the college game caught on so much in like the '40s, '50s, '60s. I mean, like Kentucky basketball exists because of that period of time. But I think you and I were talking about yesterday that like um, they're they're never the, my my ultimate point here is like they're never going to scrimmage against with some of these high major teams because if if for some reason you know they got humiliated or something like that I, I just think that they're going to keep it really compartmentalized because uh, um, I just don't think that they would risk that I mean it would be super fun I mean I would I would love to see that I would love to see them play like a friendly but um, I think just the business of the American college game. Like we were talking about, like overtime of lead and the G League Ignite thing. I think that it personally, it, it like developmentally, I think it's an interesting idea to like identify the top talent and put them in. This is more like the European system, right? Where they identify that the, they'll sort of like pick from the from the from an age group and move them into competition against better players earlier on. The American system doesn't really do that. They keep young players together all the way. Yeah, they keep their age group. So you stay, it can be, lead to a lot of sort of like, pardon the pun here, but like sort of false positive uh, feelings about players because uh, you'll see them come all the way through the high school system and their sort of position relative to their peers can be swayed by a lot of different factors that might not project what they're going to be in the future. Like you were talking about, and and we'll see this, we'll see this kind of shift negatively and we'll see it shift positively for some guys too. Like the moment that they hit uh, a tougher like setting, like that's faster, that requires like better decision-making and things like that. You'll see guys move like an example of that is we saw Kuminga was kind of regarded as the number one player for a long time. And if you saw Kuminga play in like the EYBL setting in the high school setting, he just, he had carte blanche. He could just do whatever he wanted. But then there was sort of a shift that happened once he got to the college level. And it was just like, okay, well, we're starting to see some warts that maybe weren't, weren't as visible before when he was just playing against people his age. I think the cliche is right, man among boys. So Kaminga's a perfect example. At the lower levels, he just developed faster physically than many of his peers. So he's just bullying them. He's dunking on them, going to the rim. And Avi, you've seen in the NBA now when he does get to play for the Warriors, he's an elite athlete with great size, great speed. And when he's playing guys who are less physically developed, it's just game time. There's no chance. But then he goes from being a man amongst boys to being a man amongst men in the G League. And all of a sudden, he can't win purely on physical ability. And that's where you saw Jalen Green last season kind of overtake Kaminga because it became pretty clear pretty fast. Okay, yeah, Kaminga's a bigger, better athlete than Green. 
But Green's way more skilled. He can actually shoot from distance. He's a better ball handler. He knows how to get to his spots easier. And because he's playing against better competition, that's becoming clear. Like, you're kind of putting them in the sand and sifting it out a bit. And all of a sudden, Kaminga's numbers are going down. Green's numbers are going up. Yeah, I mean, if you go back and look at it, after the first three games of Ignite last season, there was a lot of articles. Okay, Kaminga was dominant at the start. And it was, okay, Kaminga could be number one overall pick. It's him and Cade, et cetera, et cetera. Then as the, as the bubble went on, Kaminga's numbers started falling down. Teams adjusted to his game in the G League. And all of a sudden, it was like, no, Kaminga ended up going seven, and Green went number two. And I think that was a good example of how, and this happens in the college level too a lot. I think the best example of this is the Kentucky team a couple of years ago that had Kevin Knox. And well, I'm SGA. unfamiliar with them. Can you jog uh, yeah. my memory on that? Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so at the start of the season, it was Kevin Knox's show. He was the guy. He ended up being the number 13. I think, no, he was number nine pick of the Knicks ultimately. It was his show, and SGA didn't even start at the start of the season. He was a four-star recruit. Knox was the five-star. As the year went on, though, it became pretty clear SJ was actually a better player. And Calipari kind of shifted his offense to where SGA was the primary and Knox the secondary option. And SGA ended up going 11 that year. But before the season, he was seen as like a second-round pick, a guy who might stay two or three years in college. But he kind of emerged over the course of the year to take control of the team. Yeah, I think he was a four-star, actually. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I think that uh, it's it is interesting how like the physical tools thing can kind of shake out. And I think that uh, the way that Golden State has used him recently um, has put him in a good position. I, it's it's all it's it's case by case, you know, like for player to player, what is going to work best for them to thrive? Because you see some players get thrown into the pro setting immediately in in a way that like puts a lot of like undo like stress that's not good for them like for their games like they'll be stressed in ways that they're just not ready to handle and I think that Kuminga the the way that Golden State's putting him in like a situation where he's like a cutter he's like attacking quickly off the catch and in those situations like not operating like in a, against a set defense uh he can leverage his athleticism like in those because in like a straight line drive he's as athletic as anybody in the NBA I want to talk really quickly um about um uh, quickly we've got a little bit of time here but um, did you want to run through some of the G League guys or the Ignite guys? Like, really, or did you have any thoughts about the Ignite guys going forward that jumped out to you about who they're going to be? Or, I mean, I think we can talk about Scoot Henderson for a second. Okay. He's really the that's guy what I was mainly <laughs> aiming at there. So we're going to go real deep cut. This is a guy who could be the number one pick in the 2023 draft, and he's, I think, the ultimate proof of concept for the whole Ignite system. Because he'll be the first guy who spends an offseason with the Ignite. Because the old rule of thumb in college is you make the big leap between your freshman and sophomore seasons, right? You have an awesome work on your game to adjust what you learned from your first year in college to develop physically. And the thing with Scoot, though, is Scoot's the youngest player here, but he might be the best athlete. He's definitely the most talented. It's, he just jumps off. The, it's not, I guess, because we're actually watching him in person. He doesn't jump off the screen. But, man, he pops instantly when you watch him play out here yeah i was telling you he kind of gives me that same impression that anthony edwards used to give me and that like he could just tomorrow walk into football and be like an all-american like db like he's that type of athlete like he's he's very he 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 has this like overlap that you don't see a ton in basketball players which is like he's like a slinky bendy elastic sort of a we should be clear that he's like six two like he's not huge 
but but he also is kind of powerful like he's really flexible but powerful and i was kind of running through some comps with with sharks like like athletes that he reminds me of uh and the reason the reason we're telling you this is just because we're priming you like the conversation about this guy is coming so if you're sort of a casual draft person or you just don't really know a lot about guys that are pre-NBA. This, this is sort of a faces in the crowd from Sports Illustrated. Like, oh, that guy's a, a person. He will be a person, trust me. I was telling Sharks, he kind of reminds me of, like, Steve Francis, like Maryland St- Steve Francis. Um, another guy is, like, a, a, I don't know if he'll get his, like, he, he probably will. I'd imagine he's going to get pretty built. Is uh, He's already pretty built. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, if you just looked at him out there on the floor, you wouldn't know that he was, like, the youngest player at this event, I don't think. Mm-mm. No way. I think uh, Kyle's showing his age a bit. Maryland, Steve France. I was telling him that's the very beginnings of me watching college basketball, but I'll, I'll defer to my elder on that one. Yeah, shut up. Uh, so <laughs> well, uh, something else I wanted to keep an eye on, Scoot. I mean, uh, well, I was going to say he, he's pretty wild. That's the thing. Like when you watch him play, he almost seems like he just has like a rocket under him at all times that is like he's learning to control. Like in Edwards was the same way. Or just like his shot, his lower body is so powerful that like in the mid-range when he pulls up, he's still figuring out how to dial his touch in. Though I would say I think Scoot's more polished than Edwards was at the same age. Oh, you think so? Yeah, because, I mean, Edwards at Georgia, he was the man. He had the ball in his hands a lot. He was just taking shots constantly. Whereas Scoot's really playing within a system here. He's playing with three or four other big... I mean, at Georgia, Edwards was the only player. There was no other process on that team, really. Whereas Scoot here is kind of coexisting with four or five other guys. Yeah, I, I, in terms of, like, his team and his surroundings, yeah, I definitely see that. I was talking more about, like, his the, the dynamic between his physicality and his skill set because he is so athletically gifted that it is, like, really impacting his... If you... I was telling Jarks, if you go watch, like, his high school games, it's just utter chaos because he's he's so disruptive and so quick. Um, he moves so he he'll move so fast that, like the camera like seems like the frame rate like doesn't capture him like uh, he's he's just a really phenomenal athlete. Um, I was going to ask you like something that's really interesting whenever you're at an event like this is you know we're sitting like floor level basically we're seeing these guys at at eye level and I was talking to you about this we both played a lot of basketball obviously I was telling you when you're walking around in, in a in a hotel lobby and it's all NBA players I definitely. You definitely start to wonder, like, am I just, am, is this a different species? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even all the coaches, all the managers, they're all they're all towering over me and like rail thin. Um, but uh, something that was kind of jumping out to me was, uh, and it always does whenever I come to this level of, of, of event, um, is the speed, like just the overall speed of the NBA game. Because I would say these guys are playing, you know, NBA level speed basketball. Um, what, to me, that jumps out immediately. Like what jumps out to you when you're watching players like this, this close, because as we were joking, really, you don't get the chance to do that unless you're like super rich and you can sit on the floor. Or unless you're like KOC. When you're a big time like KOC, you might sit courtside. Us. KOC always catches strays from us. We're sitting in the rafters, you know, no big deal. I mean, I think it's exactly what you said. And when you talk to anyone, whenever you go sit within the first two or three rows of an NBA game. It's something that doesn't come across on TV is just how big and fast they are. Because ultimately, TV, it's a 2D representation of a 3D environment. And it doesn't add, it doesn't really capture, yeah, just how big and how fast, how narrow the windows are, how quick the reads are. Yeah, I mean, how much physicality there. I was talking to someone today, like, and just, just in the NBA, they're calling fewer fouls. 
It's the same thing in the G League, right? Guys are getting hit a lot. They're not getting called. They got to play through it. They got to play through contact. And it's just a very different, yeah, it's just the physicality of it really stands out. Like, you know, basketball is a contact sport. It's not football, but these guys are getting hit. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think what you said about the, like, the windows, that that is something that I think really jumps out. Like, you, you can watch what perceivably would be a good pass in another context. And just these guys are just understand positional kind of into like defensive mindset more than younger players do typically. So, and, and you just, the rhythms of the, of the, of the NBA game, you can just start to see like, even, even guys that like, uh, that can shoot quickly, you'll often see them get to the pro level and have to speed their shot up or have to raise their shot up. And I think when you see the NBA closely, um, when you see the NBA up close, you can start to see why that is. You'll wonder like, oh, why do you tweak a shot? That works. Things like that. Just closeouts are so fast. And like the margin for error, um, the difference between a player working. And, and it also gives a, us appreciation for just how good these guys are at the highest level. Um, but anything else you wanted to add on that or, or just going forward? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things just talking to some folks here at the um, at the showcase. I think big picture with the Ignite team, that'll be really, really fascinating to watch over the next couple of years. Number one, you'll notice, you might have seen this, there, the, the amount of talk about opening the draft for high school players has really dropped. I think that's a direct correlation with the Ignite team because there's no longer this thing where, oh, the NBA owes these players a chance to make a living. They can't send them to college. They've got to be able to get them going in the draft. And I remember, like, there was a big talk a few years ago about the quote-unquote double draft. Do you remember that? That's probably, it might not ever happen now because now if Scoot Henderson, he didn't even finish high school. He's 16. He's a pro now. So that's something to watch, one. And number two, we are talking about how the college game and the, and the Ignite team and how that kind of relates and what's a really important development that a lot of maybe NBA fans don't know about, it's called the NL, is it NIL, National Letter of Intent. So at the college level, what they've done in the last year is they've opened it up. So now players can't get paid directly by the schools, but they can sign endorsements. It's kind of the Olympic model, right? They can sign endorsements. They can get various other means of money over the board. So the joke forever in college basketball is about dropping bags, who's getting paid. Well, guess what, folks? They're all getting paid now. The bags have got to be dropped. They're just transmitted electronically. It, they pay taxes on their bags now. It's all above board. Um, I'm a Texas football fan. We recruited a quarterback. Don't get into all that. But he got paid a million bucks to go to Ohio State last year as part of an NIL deal. And now he's coming back to Texas. And I think the point of that is there's a market for these players now, right? The, I was talking to executives like, I love the Ignite team. I want to get more Ignite guys going. And it's like, yes, that'd be great. You better pay them more money because they can go make double what they make in the Ignite team at Kentucky, double they can make it at UNC or at I, I think Jalen made 500 from the G League yeah. last team. And that includes that he's also eligible to get like endorsements or something. But I was telling you that they tabulated that like Ty Ty Washington for Kentucky is making over a million dollars this year in NIL deals. So, yeah. Because it's funny because, right, you and when you when you look at the college game versus the showcase, well, when you go play see Kentucky UNC, that was a full house, I imagine, or close to it, right? There's no one even watching these games. There's no fans of of G League teams, so there's more, there's more money in college basketball. And I think the next big shift. Now, I really do believe the NIL stuff 
was partly in response to Overtime Elite, the Ignite team, the Australia Next Stars. All these pro league are trying to get younger players. So the college game has to adapt. And what the college game is doing is they're paying guys too. So I'm really curious in like three or four years, you, I mean, there's a very, there's a real world we could be living in where the top high school junior is looking at multiple offers of $5 million a year to play basketball for the next two seasons. Yeah. And, and like I was telling you, it's overdue. It's like, it's just wildly overdue because the comedy of, like I was saying, like the, the American game is kind of hamstrung by the way the, the college system is set up. Like the popularity of the college game has dictated that these players get their free market, you know, fair market value, whatever. Um, and and we've and we've just been so obtuse about that for so long, and I I think that it's it's good that it's finally happening. Um, and I don't. It, it used to be just so like comical to me the way we would talk about just the moral outrage of just like how dare you know me. The, the bottom line is like whenever college basketball exploded as a product, um, I don't know if that was like when exactly that was i'm sure it was like pre or post bird magic that's sort of like the dividing line i feel like in the marketing of basketball all time is like bird magic that dynamic anyway but i mean once like tv money and sneaker money entered into the picture this was coming and it was just like we delayed it we delayed it we delayed it we act like it was so outrageous that these guys get what they deserve but i think that you're right like I, there's no there's no scenario where like a like a north carolina or like a uh, a duke fan is going to be like I'm cheering for the G League Ignite now. It's it's a different animal. So maybe maybe we get a system where the one and dones don't go to the NBA unless they're ready or like and develop on company time, uh, where they where they did kind of in the past. Uh, but we'll see sort of a hybrid where a lot of the be- a hybrid between the American game and the international game where the best players are being pulled into this sort of academy setting and developing in this different thing. And maybe that's maybe that's a good thing going forward. Yeah. I'll just, I'll end with this. So I was at the Texas game and uh, someone was asking that one of the Texas players, I believe he's in his sixth year at Texas. And they're asking me, they're like, wow, this guy, does he get a, a 10 year minimum when he's been put in so much time at school? And I told him, I said, hey man, when you're a starter at Texas, uh, it's a pretty good paycheck. You know, like you might not afford a house in Austin living a starter song, but you get a house in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah, it's really so, it's such a wild new world, honestly. It's crazy to think about. And it's also like, I think that it's going to have a positive impact on guys kind of falling between the cracks because the pressure to leave the college system, um, because some of these guys, they need to start making money. You know what I mean? They don't, they know that like in the short term, they have these bodies that are set up to play this game. You know, they'll, they'll worry about like their next career when it comes time or maybe they'll plan as it goes, but they need to capitalize on this prime athletic time that they have. Uh, so some of them will just kind of get, and we've seen that at Kentucky. I know like they'll just kind of get scooted out, pardon the word there, but like they'll get kind of pushed out and some of those guys would fall between the cracks. Maybe they'll be more protected now if they feel like they don't have to leave uh, because of like the weird college system they can get paid now. So I think that's a positive overall. Yeah. It's, it's a brave new world in the world of uh, college basketball and developing prospects. And we'll be on top of it here at High upside. Yes, upside yes, high. yes. If you're joining us for the first time, I usually explain this at the top. I'll explain it now real quick. But just the show is called Upside High. And we are going to be talking about like young players, if you could tell. That's what we like. We like to talk about developmental players, the development of players, what it takes to be a star, who's coming. You know, you know, the I always say like the, the buy in to sit at the table to play in the NBA. So uh, do you have any like work that you want to uh, promote or anything else to add before we uh, get out? 
Yeah, I mean, I've been doing the last week, I've been doing a deep dive on Chet Holmgren, the possible number one pick from Gonzaga. Uh, it's going to come out, I believe, next week, a big article. And I cannot wait to talk Chet with you because Chet is fascinating. He is absolutely fascinating. Place for Gonzaga, if you want to go check him out. I'm sure you've, if you're listening to this pod, you've heard of Chet Holmgren, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, we'll be, we'll, uh, we're going to be back, back home for, uh, back remote but this was a fun in-person thing i enjoyed uh getting to hang with you and and just sort of uh dialogue on uh on hoops philosophy and everything i mean we should all be so blessed to see kyle in the flesh no question kind of rhyme there that was very poetic of you anyway all right uh subscribe to us on uh on your on your app or wherever you get your podcasts uh upside high join us next week thanks for listening and uh we'll be you adieu bye